Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So when you go to the seminary to study to be a priest, you get an undergrad in philosophy. That is a mandated part of the Vatican formation for all priests. So you get an undergraduate degree in philosophy. And then you get usually around two master's degrees in theology, totaling up around nine years of schooling. Right? So we study a lot of things. Right? We study uh, modern philosophy, ancient philosophy, ethics, how do you know what you know? You know, all the philosophy classes that many of you drove you nuts, we do that for a whole undergrad. Then we take all those world of thought, all those thinkers, and we begin to then study how have we articulated the truths of our faith? What does it mean to have a God take on flesh? How do you interpret scripture? All these things. And all of that to say, when I got ordained, there was one question, it was the number one question asked me since I've been ordained, meaning the most frequently asked, that I never studied. And it was the end times. Right? When my first assignment, I remember I was locking up the church at like 9 p.m., it was in the winter time, and there was someone about half the way back in the church, and I was about to turn the lights off and lock up, and so I needed to invite them to uh, maybe use one of the gardens, or since it was cold out, uh, gently find a way to say, you need to go home. So, uh, uh, but I thought, boy, no one usually comes to pray in the church at night in the dark and the cold, and everything's going really well. Like, very few people are like, I just needed to get there to just say thank you. Usually it's like, I have a kid or a spouse or a friend or a parent in the hospital, and I'm just interceding for them, Father. So I go up and I, I said, excuse me, sir, everything okay? I'm about to lock up. And he said, he looked up, and he said, the end is near. And I thought, well, this is how I die. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he went on to tell me why he thought so and all these things. And uh, I had never been confronted in the flesh with someone like this. I had seen a few of those Kirk Cameron movies from about 15 years ago, Left Behind, things like that. But that was really the extent of anything I had been seeing or hearing. All that to say that when we hear scripture passages like these today, where the sun, the moon, the stars are going to stop, and the Son of Man's going to come on clouds, we begin to have all of the unreflected beliefs, things that we haven't really read about or reflected or engaged in in our own soul, come to the surface. And it's really important that we understand what we're saying as a church, what Jesus meant, what he didn't mean, because uh, if your future is an impending doom, that's one posture. <laughs> Versus Jesus is the Lord of life and he's giving us good news. That's another posture. So we want to enter in a little bit to what's happening today. So the scriptures were not written and Jesus did not teach historically for men and women of the 21st century in Brecksville, Ohio. I think we know that. Right? Which means... The images, the words, the phrases, the teachings, he had first century Jewish men and women in his mind. These are also historical teachings, meaning they took place at a particular place, at a particular time, with a particular group of people. And so words and images, we need to know some of the history to understand what he meant 
and what he didn't mean. We know this very clear in Northeast Ohio. If you tell one of your friends, oh man, last Sunday I had a great time in the dog pound. Anyone outside of Northeast Ohio is like, would you clean dogs or adopt a dog? And we, need, we know to say, oh, were you at the Browns game? And you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, okay, that's what you meant by dog pound. We know that in Northeast Ohio because it's a particular group of people that use language to convey certain things. Similar thing in scripture. So Jesus is giving this teaching and he's right near the temple. We don't have in America a significant enough building to capture what the temple meant for first century Jewish men and women. It'd be like for us Catholics if St. Peter's and the White House and the grandeur of the Grand Canyon all came together in one place. It would have that effect of awe, reverence, meaning. It really was the idea that God, is, God shows us Israel to be special to him. He's been faithful. We've been victorious. And this is the meeting place of everything political, family-based, bloodline, religion, all of it comes together in this immensely beautiful and ornate building. And it's there where Jesus, God himself, is looking at his disciples. And he says a few chapters before this, or a few lines before this, you tear this building down, I'll rebuild it in three days. And they're like, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? And he goes on to teach in this setting where he says, the sun, the moon, and the stars will all fall away. Now for us, we start to think the word would be apocalyptically. We think end times. But the word apocalypse simply means to remove the veil. So what Jesus is trying to do in his teachings is to say, there's a reality that we miss unless we really sit with Jesus and his words he unveils something for us that we cannot figure out on our own because intellects alone can't get there. And what he's showing us is that, listen, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of these things played a role in first century. What was their role? It oriented them. They needed all these things to know which direction to go. They needed to know all these things to know what time of day it was. They needed to know all these things to know as farmers' crops. Think about if you're a traveler in first century Middle East, you don't have a GPS, you don't have a watch, you don't have an iPhone. How do you navigate your way in life? The sun, the moon, and the stars. They orient you and give you a sense of where I am and where I need to be going. So when Jesus says those realities are going to fall away, what he's saying is the very things that have organized your identity, your meaning in life, your purpose and your goal are going to be broken down. And he says, and something new will take its place. See, Jesus isn't specifically talking about the end times because at the end we don't need more orientation. It's all done. What he's talking about, and he says, this will all happen before this generation passes away. What he's saying is, to his first century followers, who are Jewish men and women, he's saying, 
everything that gives you a sense of security, identity, meaning, purpose, and direction is going to be rattled, destroyed, and brought low, and something new is going to take its place. And something new did take its place. The death and resurrection of Jesus transformed the whole world for these people. Everything was involved in Jesus' death. On Palm Sunday, we have that really long reading where we shift back and forth because our legs are tired from standing so long, right? But if you read it ahead of time, what you see are politics at work. The Romans are there. You see the religion, the fearful religious leaders, Jewish men and women, just wanting people to be happy. And so they choose a revolutionary over Jesus to free. So you see corruption in religion. The sun is eclipsed at one point. The veil of the uh, temple is torn. See, all these things that structured their life was on full display and crucifies Jesus. That happened over and over again. Political, religious leaders, family dynamics, the brokenness of the human condition was on full display. We know that story. That didn't change anything. But when Jesus rose three days later to say all of that, it ain't got nothing on my love for you. That changed the whole world for them. No longer was this temple building going to give them the meaning and purpose. No longer did the sun, the stars, and moon define them and orient them in the same way. What mattered most now was that God's love entered the world in the flesh and was a victorious thing. Jesus won the battle, meaning all the dysfunction in this world in your hearts, in your homes, in politics, in religions, everything on the evening news is not the ultimate reality. It's penultimate, right? Which means it's one less. The ultimate reality is God's love given to us and made manifest in Jesus. And now you can see how when those disciples are sent out into the world, why they aren't afraid of death. They said, listen, it's no longer everlasting death. With Jesus, we have the hope of eternal life. That's why they're not afraid of religious and political leaders debating them. They said, we have the Holy Spirit now. We've got God on our side. For us here in the 21st century who wake up early on a cold Sunday morning to come to church, this is meant to help us revisit why we're here. We do not come here primarily to assuage our conscience. Right? Nah, I don't want to wake up Monday and feel guilty. It's not bad. All right, it's a start. That's not the main reason. Right? We also don't come here to see our closest friends, although its community is really, really good and important. And here at St. Basil's, I think it might be second to none. It's awesome. The main reason we come here is because six days a week, we live with another story being told to us. We live with the story that's saying the addictions and brokenness and corruption of your marriages and family and friends and people at school. The injustices happening on the news every night. The confusion in politics and church and religion. The division in our country is reality. That's the deepest truth and we just have to suffer through it and bear our, bear our arms and fight back. Here we're reminded of the true story. That Jesus is bigger, stronger, and more loving than all those realities. Here we're come to realize that in his death and resurrection, a power was released in and through the Holy Spirit, the apostles who are the first bishops, and then the whole body of Christ known as the church that can actually renew, heal, and transform every form of sin, division, 
and anything else. So when Jesus says the sun, the moon, the stars, the temple, all of it's going to be broken away, what he means is all those places in our hearts and in our lives that claim ultimate power and the ability to define us and the world are wrong. Jesus alone defines us. And let me remind you, his definition is you're very good and you're wanted by God and he has you alive at this time for a reason. So we come here on Sundays to hear the scriptures, to receive and soak in the biblical worldview and then it's not just an idea. This love and life of God comes to us again in the Eucharist to touch our hearts so we remember he's alive and with his life touching us we're kind of dusted off and transformed to go out into the world to tell the good news, which is the gospel. That we know the author, we know the main characters, we know how the story goes, we know how the story ends, and we're trying to live our part the best. Won't you join us? And so, yes, there is an end times, all right? But as Jesus says, not even he knows, the Father knows. So us trying to understand it's now, this is it, it, it's really futile. We don't know. What we do know, though, is that everything in life that gives us meaning, direction, identity that isn't God and Jesus Christ, that is meant to fall away so we can have the freeing power that the creator of the stars calls us his sons and daughters and says, I love you. That is the good news. That's the story that needs to get out into the world so they can come here and join us in our worship as all of our prayers at church, unlike the stars, orient us to God, the angels and saints.